Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of our Taking Control of Your Diabetes podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Jeremy Pettis, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Steve Edelman. And we have two very special guests today, two more endocrinologists with us. First is Dr. Tricia Santos. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. And Dr. Schaefer Bader. Hi. And both Trish and Schaefer are also endocrinologists with us at the University of California, San Diego. Um, see patients with diabetes, actually specialize in diabetes. Star faculty yeah. of our TCOID team. So we have four, you know, all-star diabetes specialists here to talk about tips for people with type 2 diabetes. We just did one on type 1, so this is going to be the kind of type 2 version. And the idea here is things that we're commonly hearing, kind of like broad categories of actual tips that we give people in these important areas. And we're going to go through these in no particular order, but we decided that important areas would be talking about weight management, um, talking about new medications or medications in general, talking about technology for type 2 diabetes, continuous glucose monitors, potentially insulin pumps, and then an important category of kind of the psychology around diabetes, what we call diabetes burnout, just how do you kind of live well mentally with this chronic condition, the medications, the highs and lows, literally. Um, so that's what we're going to go through. So let's start with weight management. And what that typically means is for people trying to lose weight, which is difficult for everybody. So I'll just throw it out there. Who wants to start first with a tip that they might have for people living with type 2 diabetes and want to work on their weight? I have a short one. Okay. Basically, my my thing with people with type 2 diabetes, that you get it later in life, you're, you're already stuck in your lifestyle habits. You know, you got your cultural and ethnic preferences and you can't just change your diet by seeing a dietitian fresh out of school. I say eat the food you like in moderation and just pay attention to your portion size. And that way, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to cut what you normally like to eat to a point where you can maintain your weight or even lose a little bit of weight. I've heard you say that before. It's not what you eat. It's how much you eat. That's right. Which really is what it is. So, okay. I like that tip. Trish, anything to add or a new tip? Yeah, mine's kind of along the same lines. My, you know, the tip I always give people is to set achievable goals that are like the smallest goals. So something that you cannot fail at. Like my goal for exercising today is walking to the mailbox. You know, because sometimes people set these goals like I'm going to exercise 30 minutes a day and seven days a week and it's just not possible. And then you start setting yourself up for feeling like a failure. So I think setting those small goals that you absolutely cannot fail at, like I'm going to eat three tortillas instead of four, you know, those types of things, I think, make you feel good, too. Mm -hmm. All right. Schaefer, anything? Yeah, I, those are actually great tips. So just to switch it up a little bit in terms of the direction, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the newer medications and things. So I won't get into the details of those, but suffice to say that, that we have medications now that we use in diabetes that can help with weight loss. And, and some of the older medications are either weight neutral, so they kind of don't add or you know subtract weight, or some of them can even promote weight gain. And so basically the tip is just to take a look at what medications you're taking and, and, and add that into your thinking about diabetes medications is not just, you know, is my, what's, what is it doing to my blood sugars, but what are they doing to my weight? And that doesn't mean if you're on some medications that can cause weight gain that you should just stop them, but it means have a discussion with your provider and, um, and, and, and bring up this as a question to them and think about, you know, um, what might be some medications that would, would also work for diabetes drugs, but that can help your weight as well. Yeah, and I guess my my tip would like I heard Bill Polonsky, who's a psychologist, say this a long time ago, which I I really like, and he would say it's easier to add something than to kind of take it away. 
So a lot of times people say, well, I'm just never going to eat ice cream again. I'm never going to eat chocolate. I'm just never going to do or have another drink versus I'm going to start, you know, walking to the mailbox today or walking around the block or whatever, just adding something proactive that you can be happy about rather than I'm going to kind of punish or, you know, deprive myself of something. So I kind of like that. But honestly, my main tip, which goes into our next category, is Schaefer saying the most effective thing we have for weight loss now is these new medications. Because let's be honest that, you know, you guys listening out there, if you've been, you know, trying to lose weight, you've probably been trying to do it for years, if not decades. And you know the diets, you've tried all the different stuff, you know, it's very hard to lose weight. And that's where these new medications are going to be so helpful because they can control your blood sugars and help you, you know, actually lose some some weight. So this brings up our next category, new medications. And Steve, maybe do you want to talk, let's do them kind of maybe one category at a time. Do you want to talk about SD2s or GLP-1s? What do you want <laughs> sure. to talk about? Sure. Well, I think if, since we're talking about weight management, we should talk about the GLP-1 receptor agonist. Sorry about all these uh, jumbled letters, but these are drugs like uh, Trulicity and Ozempic. And these drugs have been out for many years. They, you, you take them once a week and they not only improve your glucose levels, but they will also uh, affect the way you eat your food. You, they induce satiety, which is the feeling of being full. And they all lead to reduced weight. And I think, you know, they now have higher doses of Ozempic and Trulicity, which allow people to lose more weight. So these are the mainstay. In addition to that, we'll get into a little bit more, but they also seem to protect the heart against uh, heart attacks and the brain against strokes. Uh, and then, of course, we have the blockbuster drug that maybe one of our other co-panelists can, uh, can comment yeah. on. So I'm thinking, let's stick with the GLP ones for a second. You mentioned they're so important. And they're once a week, but they are injections that you take once a week. And they do have some side effects that can be mitigated. So Trish, maybe walk us through like a conversation you have when you're starting somebody on one of these medications. How much do you go through like what actually they do in terms of the effects on the body? How much do you talk about injections? Um, how easy are they to get with like cost and insurance and all that? How do you have that conversation? Sure. So in general, I usually talk about all the perks to these medications. I mean, these Steve, you talked about them. I feel like these things should be in the water. They just are so good. They have so many benefits, the the blood sugars, the weight, um, and, you know, protecting the heart. So I always go through that. And usually patients are sold um, by that. Um, and then I do talk about the, the adverse effects or the potential side effects. And mostly I focus on nausea because that's really the most common side effect that you can get with these medications. And I give my patients some tips with how to avoid the nausea. So that is going up slowly on the medicine, starting on the lower dose. We can actually go in between doses with some of these medicines, believe it or not. So that's kind of a tip. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that really helps with nausea that I tell my patients who are starting these medications, you know, only about 30% of people will get nausea. But if you do, if you eat smaller, more frequent meals instead of kind of two giant meals per day, that really helps because these medicines work by leaving food in your stomach longer, making you feel full faster and longer. That's one of the ways that they help you lose weight. But of course, that can really make you nauseous if you have kind of a giant meal sitting there. So I do tell people to, you know, think about eating smaller meals if, if they need to. And Schaefer, you know, um, what about this injection thing? You know, when, like the people, people have all kinds of conceptions about what an injection is. Totally. So yeah. You- I mean, I think 
you know, unfortunately, a lot of that comes from, well, injections can be scary for people that aren't used to doing it. And um, that's understandable for sure. And I think also, unfortunately, people have this association with insulin as sort of like a scary thing to have to inject. And once you get used to insulin and, and you realize it's just a it's just a medication that we use as a tool, I think people tend to get over that. But if you're starting an injectable for the first time, you know, it, it's scary in two ways. One, you're actually giving the injection. And two, it's like, is this really, do I, is, you know, this is a huge escalation in my therapy? Like, do I need an injection? But really, ultimately, the reason that these medications are injectable is not because they're like super hardcore or scary. It's just that's the, the way that they're formulated. That's the best way to get them into the body. And it really allows them to be given once a week. And so ultimately, you know, that to me, I see as a huge benefit. So, I mean, once you've tried one of these injections, they're very easy to give and some of them come in an auto injection. So I always go through the process. I teach my patients how to give the injection. They're super easy to use. They, um, and they're not painful. So that's, you know, once people have actually done them, they say, oh, that was, that was nothing. That was easy. And you do that once a week and you kind of don't have to think about it the rest of the week. So in some ways it's easier than a pill that you take every day. It's a once week injection. So I think that part, you know, getting over that little hump um, tends to be once you've actually done it once, it's actually really easy. Let me just add that these, these GLP-1s, they mimic a natural hormone in the body. And the very first one was approved in 2005. So we know the safety profile very well. It's not guinea pig medicine at all. And uh, so then there's several in the same class and we have choices now. So I think in this conversation about medications, it's helpful a little bit for us to walk through our listeners about our approach to general diabetes management when it comes to, to medications. And it's important to know, I'll say this real quick, that type 2 diabetes is a progressive disease. That over time, the, the cells in your pancreas, the beta cells that make insulin can fail. And that means that over time, you will require more medications. So our normal treatment, quote unquote, algorithm is to actually add medications generally as time goes by, which may be very different than people are used to dealing with other diseases. You know, if one antibiotic doesn't work, you don't add another, you usually switch it. So people can have this conception, as you were saying, Schaefer, like, am I getting sicker? And it's just about using the medications to keep you in a, in a healthy place and to try not to get so hung up about the number of medications. So to be specific, when people are diagnosed, we sometimes start with just diet and exercise, but we usually add metformin you know, quickly. It's our first agent that we use. It's an oral agent that's been around forever. It's, it's well-tolerated. It's efficacious. And then after that, the door really opens where we try to get people as much as possible on these two new classes of medications. One is the GLP-1 receptor agonist that we just kind of talked about that these injections. And the other is a class of medications called, get ready, SGLT2 inhibitors. And the way these drugs is they work is they basically just make you pee out sugar. And when you pee out sugar, your blood sugars come down. You can actually lose weight because you're losing calories. And now we have all these like new benefits of these medications, reducing heart disease, you know, kidney disease. So Steve, maybe start us with, you know, talking a little bit about these medications and, and do you use them in all your type twos? Like what's your recommendation? Like should... I mean, I would go so far as to say that everybody with type 2 diabetes should be on an SGLT2 inhibitor and a GLP-1. And how do you feel about that? <laughs> you say SGLT2 so fast. Um, well, first of all, a, a, a tiny history note is that when these drugs first came out, everyone thought, oh, it's going to cause damage to the kidneys. It's making the kidneys spill sugar. And it turns out, to make a long story short, they shock people by showing that it reduces 
congestive heart failure, which is the most common cardiac abnormality in people with type 2 diabetes and does not carry a good prognosis once you've had one episode. Then they discovered that it prevents the progression of diabetic kidney disease. As, as you mentioned, it lowers glucose, it lowers blood pressure, and you can actually lose a little bit of weight on it. So it And the side effect profile is extremely low. They're very well tolerated. So I happen to agree with you that it's probably one of the most important classes. It's one pill once a day in the morning, and there's you can take it with every other diabetic medication on our entire armamentarium. So I think when I look at the, the problems with heart disease, kidney disease in folks with type 2, it's a tremendous advance. And we have several on the market now. I'm sure, Trisha or Schaefer, you can add to that. Yeah, the, I think one of the important things I'll add, and I, I totally agree with you, Steve, is that um, the confusing thing about where we are with these medicines now is that, like Jeremy said, they're really for everyone. So you may be sitting here listening and saying, well, I'm on metformin and my A1C is 6.6 and I'm doing great. I don't need that medicine. But what we're here to tell you is that this medicine is so good. These, the SGLT2 and the GLP-1 are so good at weight loss, heart benefits, kidney benefits, that you should be on it even if your A1C is good, which is a whole new way of thinking for us in the diabetes world. Normally we were really A1C focused and now we're thinking about all these other benefits that we could get. Yeah, we should mention the name so you're familiar with the TV commercial. Jardiance and Farziga are the two main ones. And even um, the American Diabetes Association, they they give doctors recommendations on when and, and how to use these medications. And they said exactly what you mentioned, Trisha. It's irregardless of the A1C. Schaefer? Yeah, I do. I have one comment. And it's really just, you know, here we are talking about all these medications. And just a comment for the people out there um, which I get those people that are like, I, but I, I want to get off of medications. And I get that's something that I hear all the time in the clinic is, well, OK, you're telling me about all these new medications. They're great benefits. But like my goal is to get off of medications. I think this in some ways, you know, that comes back to both what Trish and Jeremy said. You know, when Jeremy was talking about, um, y- you know, that, that the way that we think about these medications and we and we're adding them on stepwise to get benefits is because we're actually they, they do different things and each of these medications are targeting a different part of diabetes but also these other metabolic issues that are going on to help protect the kidneys and protect the heart and and so i think it is it's hard but i think we have to get away from this concept that being on medications equals being sick um you, you know you could be on no medications and be terribly unhealthy or you can be on a bunch of medications and be really healthy partly because of those medications. And so, so you know, these medications that we prescribe, we do so because they protect from heart attacks and they keep your kidneys healthy. And so they do all these great things and, and adding a medication doesn't mean you're getting sicker. Um, and being on three medications instead of one doesn't mean you're sicker. It may mean that you're healthier. And so, mm-hmm. so you know, being healthy is not counted by how many medications you're on. It's counted by if you're healthy or not. Absolutely. And Steve, especially has heard me say this a million times that I'm, these drugs, the GLP-1s and SGLT-2s, are not approved for people with type 1 diabetes like Steve and I. And I am legitimately jealous. That's not a joke. I mean, these are just, just they do so many things. And I think it's a real opportunity for people to have, you know, to be able to use these medications rather than, you know, kind of, woe is me, I, I, you know, have to take it. And, you know, when people say that, like, I want to get off medications, you have to stop and ask, like, well, why? 
And it generally comes down to this perception of their health. And it's reminding them that we're using this medication to, to kind of keep you healthy in the same way that we use vitamins or these other things that people deem okay to take because they're preserving their health. That's just kind of the same like approach we need to adopt with these, these pharmacological agents. So next big category um, is going to be diabetes technology, which we talk up and down and sideways in type 1 diabetes. But now we're talking about it, you know, a lot more in type 2 diabetes, specifically with continuous glucose monitoring. Um, so I'll start, maybe we'll go backwards this time, Schaefer, when we um, talk about CGM and type 2s, you know, who who is this really for, for people with type 2 diabetes? Everybody or just certain people? Yeah. And this, you know, this is really sort of a cutting edge topic and the our thinking about this is rapidly shifting as well because it... And, even until right now, and if you ask your insurance provider, you know, you may get the answer that CGM is only for people with type 2 who are on multiple daily injections of insulin. So that, you know, that may be one answer is that what's covered, right? It's right. covered for people who are on multiple insulin injections. And that is important. It's extremely important for that group of people. So if you take insulin, you're at higher risk for low blood sugars. And you also need this sort of continuous feedback of what's going on with your blood sugars to make insulin dosing decisions and all that. So, so for sure, that group of people, I mean, that's a no-brainer, even though it took a long time to convince folks of that even. But we're learning more and more that whether you're on insulin multiple times a day, maybe you're on once-a-day insulin and some other medications, or you're not on insulin at all, you're on other medications. And even in people who are on no medicines, maybe you have prediabetes and you're not on any medications, using a CGM can actually still improve your blood sugar um, by significant amounts. And it's because there's so much knowledge and education to be gained from seeing what your glucose blood sugar is doing throughout the day and, and getting real-time feedback on what you're eating, your exercise, how your medications affect your blood sugar, how things even like stress and sleep affect your blood sugar. And, um, and, and people I've seen just really, you know, anecdotally, I've seen really amazing results on people who aren't necessarily on a bunch of insulin. Um, but they put a CGM on and all of a sudden it opens up this world of understanding what their own body's doing and, and really helps them to make healthy decisions. Yeah. So I would say, you know, I guess a specific tip there, I agree obviously with everything you said. If you have type 2 diabetes and you're on mealtime insulin, for God's sakes, get a continuous glucose monitor. You're eligible for it. Get in to see your provider, ask for it, and you'll just, you'll do better. And thankfully more and more people will get this covered with type 2. In the near future, it's going to be everybody. So Trish, like, I don't know, do you, do you experience kind of resistance for people starting CGM or anything? I don't know, you want to talk about yeah. CGM? And no, I would say there is quite a bit of resistance, actually, which is shocking to us who think that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, which is like, is that that great? That saying's always <laughs> never made that sense to me. Yeah, but like anyway. ice cream sundae <laughs> yeah. or well, Dave's bread is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I do you, like when my bread is sliced, don't yeah, yeah, okay. um, Anyway, you know, patients are resistant. And, and the sense I get is that people don't want to see their blood sugars all the time because they know that maybe they aren't, what, it, it's not what they want to see. And so the thing I like, the tip I give patients, I guess I would say, is that just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Right. So mm -hmm. if you go eat an entire pizza and you don't look at your blood sugar, it doesn't mean it didn't go high. <laughs> right. So um, I, I try and tell them that knowledge is power and that by being able to see what happens to your blood sugar, it, it truly changes behavior. Um, so maybe, you know, you'll see what happens when you walk around the block that your blood sugar goes down. Maybe you'll see that when you eat a certain food, it really spikes more than you thought. And maybe next time you'll eat a little less of that food. You'll still eat it. But, 
you know, you'll eat a little bit less. So like Schaefer said, we put people on these on these devices with type two and their A1Cs drop one, two, sometimes more percentage points without any additional medication. So those of you out there, like Schaefer was talking about, that don't want to be on more medications, this device can improve your A1C without adding additional meds. And you don't have to poke your finger. I oh, mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a sort of a simple yeah. but important <laughs> yeah. thing about carrot. it is yeah. like you don't have to poke your finger, put this device on, you can check your blood sugar. And and that alone, sometimes we're like, oh, okay. You know, and yeah. once they start using it, they're like, wow, this really opened up my world to what's going on. We hate pricks. <laughs> is that your tip? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know what, Schaefer uh, and Trisha, I don't think could have said it any better. Uh, it, it really is going to be the standard of care for type 2 for so many reasons. And it, our insurance companies are always far behind, as usual, only to people on three injections a day. And there are ways you can get uh, a free trial with some of these companies. <clears throat> and I do think they're going to be uh, less expensive, more accessible. And as soon as the rest of the world catches up with us, they're going to realize that it's going to save money, not add to the burden of paying for people's diabetes supplies. And there are some insurance companies now that are covering for type 2s who are not on insulin. So go really? out there and check. There are a few. Yeah. It, it's, it's starting. That's good. That's good news. Yeah. So let's kind of finish up with our last big category, which is broadly we call diabetes burnout. And this really is important because this is such a huge part of diabetes is that, you know, how do you engage with it? How do you stay on your medications? What kind of benchmarks for success do you set? Because it's so common. We all see patients that have probably been told for years, again, if not decades, you need to lose weight, you need to get your blood sugars like down or else, you know, you're, you're going to go blind, like all these kind of things. And it's very easy to feel defeated. You know, nothing I do matters, all that kind of stuff. Um, so Trish, let's start with you this time. How, how do you, how do you, you know, address this? Do you do it proactively? Do patients ask you things? Like, do you have time to cover this in visits? Walk us through that. Yeah, I think this is a really hard one. Um, and I would say, you know, it's really important for people with type two diabetes to kind of look at what else is going on in their life. Because I often find when, my patients come in and they're, you know, they're either not checking their blood sugars or their blood sugars are in the, you know, 300s or 400s and they're feeling really out of control. It often has not a lot to do with their diabetes. Um, it's usually something else is going on in their life, something stressful. There's financial stressors, there's relationship stressors. And I think, you know, diabetes is such a hard disease. It's every day, it's all day. And when, when you have that on you and other stressors in your life, the last thing you can do is control your blood sugars. And then people tend to eat worse when they're more stressed out. They tend to, you know, not check their blood sugars, maybe not take their medications. So I do think that kind of look, stepping outside of diabetes and looking at what else is going on is really helpful. And then the second quick tip, which I did say in our type one tip, um, is I, I tell people to just take a, give, give yourself a break because it's hard. And managing this disease is hard. And we don't need to add to that stress you know, stress about how you're doing with your diabetes. So, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And and adding that stress is not going to be helpful. How often do you say your husband, Joe, take a break? Oh, <laughs> I never say it. that to him. Right. I just grind him. I was just checking. I was just right. checking. Well, and you know, the other thing that I've, I've heard you say too, Trish, is um, to kind of celebrate success and by meaning like kind of reframing what success is. So I think a lot of times patients will come in, their A1C is 12, 13, whatever, and they're just kicking themselves that they're not at seven. But reminding people that every kind of little step of improvement 
matters a lot. You know, for every 1% reduction in A1C we get, it's something like a 30% reduction in microvascular damage. So going from 13 to 12 is a big deal, even though you're not there at seven. Yeah, there's still work to be done, but that's still accelerating that kind of like momentum. And I don't know. For sure. And I think there, I have patients that will come and see me and they don't bring their, you know, back in the day it was blood sugar logs or bring their meter or now bring, bring their CGM for download. But sometimes I celebrate just when people are checking their blood sugars. Like that's a celebration to me because if I see blood sugars that are in the 300s, then I can do something about that. Whereas if I can't see it, I can't do anything about it. So totally agree. And and we have to celebrate those those smaller successes. Mm-hmm. Traver? Yeah, I would just say that diabetes distress and or just diabetes stress, if you want to call it, I mean, it's real. And it's not something that we talk about that much. We do sometimes here at TCYD, but I think out in the world, people don't talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yet it affects pretty much everybody with diabetes. And that's a big group of people. So it's important to realize that if you're feeling that way, if you're feeling stressed about your about diabetes, or if you're feeling burnt out and just over it, like you're not alone. And it's super common. Um, and so, um, you know, that's the first thing. Just realize it's common and it's, and it's actually normal to feel that way. But um, then really the tip then is to kind of like think about what are, what are you going to do about it? And I think we as providers in general um, probably are bad at asking about it and, and, and even realizing it sometimes that it's going on in our patients when we see them. Sometimes the visits are too short or we don't ask the right questions. And so I think unfortunately, you know, the onus is a little bit on the patient to just speak up about it. Like, you know, um, a lot of times I'll ask a patient, like, are you taking your medicines? And they'll say, yes, because that's what I want to hear. But really, I'd rather them tell me, you know, I haven't been taking my medicines because I've just been burnt out. I'm tired. I'm stressed. Something's going on in my life. And that would really help me as a provider, you know, pr- give better care. And I could be like, okay, let's take this. Let's actually talk about what's really going on. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's good for, for both of us. So, so as someone living with diabetes, you know, it's okay to speak up about that and say, Hey, I'm, I'm burnt out. I'm, I'm, this diabetes thing has just been rough or whatever's going on. Maybe it's non non diabetes related, but it's weighing you down. So that's one thing it, to bring it up to your provider, but also to, to find some community, um, whether it's, you know, online or at TCYD, Facebook or in real life with other people who are kind of going through it. I think it's really important to have someone that you can talk to who kind of gets it, who understands what you're going through with this disease and just that it's kind of always there and not necessarily to talk about your favorite medications or what your blood sugars are doing, but just to kind of like unload on and, and talk about some of this stuff that makes it a little hard because it is a grind. Yeah. Well said, Shaver. Um, well, Steve, anything you want to add to that? And like, what about if nothing else, I mean, like you talk about persistence and adherence of, of people staying on medications, which is wrapped up into this diabetes burnout, obviously big time. So Maybe yeah, I'll just about- add a couple of things. I think you he said it really well, Schaefer. I mean, I just, I have a, you know, my tip after this little monologue is just is understanding. You know, people with type 2 are generally older. As I said earlier, you're set in your ways. And type 2 is associated with uh, the propensity to gain weight, especially in the abdominal area, which is almost impossible to lose. And then you, you, you have the associated high blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes, and all the other medical problems. And so... With someone with type two, you're it's a what we call a polypharmacy condition. Tons of meds. You think you're really sick. They cost a lot of money. And guess what? They don't. You don't feel that different if you skip your meds. So this whole issue, Jeremy, that you brought up is uh, adherence and persistence is staying on the medications that you're prescribed. It's tough. 
Uh, and I think, you know, knowledge is power. And I think what I was, my tip was going to be, you stole my thunder was, you know, join a Facebook group. We have one at TCOID for type two, uh, find people that can support you and understand what you're going through. But it's so easy to say, screw it. I, I don't want to take these meds. I don't feel any different. And so you need someone, a good healthcare professional to explain why you need these things. And healthcare professionals, quite frankly, they don't have much time these days. So you got to look elsewhere to get some support. And uh, TCOID could be a good place. You know, uh, I'll give you Bill Polanski's cell phone. Can you get up and tell you what it is? You know, he's awesome. He understands that. And his website is really good. And t- he talks a lot about diabetes distress. Yeah, and I think kind of like rounding it out is that changing our framework again about these new medications and treatments that it really is an opportunity and we've had patients that have you know lost weight and really changed their lives and like you had a patient that came and had to buy a whole new wardrobe of clothes you know for stuff that would fit them and was thrilled about it um so i think that that is changing now with some of these medications it used to be very much like oh these these medicines just make me go low or whatever now it's these medications are making me healthy making me lose weight things that i've been trying to do for years i finally can so it really is a kind of exciting time for type 2 um, and so I guess my closing thought there, closing tip would be, you know, engage with your provider, take advantage of these medications. And even if you've been, anyone sees been 14 for the last 10 years, it's never too late to engage and, and take control of your diabetes. So, it, and I'll just mention this one quote by Sir William Osler. Okay. And, uh, I learned this through Bill. He said, the way to live a long and healthy life is to get a chronic disease and then take care of it. Yeah. I like that. It's so true. You could claim that quote if you want. You could I just almost did. <laughs> yeah. I felt kind of guilty. <laughs> yeah. um, so Trish, closing thought, comment on anything that we've talked about? No, I think, you know, it's an exciting time in type 2 diabetes, I guess I would say. You know, this diabetes distress is a real issue, but there's never been more things to look forward to that's making people's lives easier and making them live longer and healthier. So I'm excited to be involved. My, my closing tip um, would be, you know, if you listen to this whole talk or this whole podcast, like take, take a minute after it's over and just think about what, what, you know, you kind of took away from it and then choose one actionable item and do it. Whether it's, you know, thinking about weight loss or finding um, someone to talk to about diabetes distress or whatever it is, whatever hit home for you, like choose one thing and then um, act, act on it. Um, Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for listening and thank you for all the, everybody for being here, Trish Schaefer, Steve, obviously. We really enjoyed this. Um, this is, I don't know, we've only done a handful of these podcasts, but we're really enjoying this and, and, and look forward to keep doing this. So thanks to everybody for listening. Check out our website, tcoid.org. Of course, we have the video vault there of, of a lot of lectures that we you know, have posted completely for free on all these topics, new medications, exercise, everything that we've covered. We have a video online that you can watch about it in detail. So again, thanks for listening and have a great day.